Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. You know, several weeks ago, we started this series called Undivided, and and we did so in collaboration with dozens of other churches here in the Charleston area. And it's been really amazing to hear some of the feedback from other pastors and other congregations about what God's doing in their churches. And, and I would say in ours, it's been really encouraging, challenging at times, right? Because when, when you preach a message several weeks ago, I opened up and talked about uh, kind of ignorance and how so many of us uh, are ignorant of, of some of the biases that we bring into conversations around race. Uh, two weeks ago, Forrest Coleman uh, delivered an incredible word on awareness and how our awareness has to lead to apathy uh, before we just jump into action. And then last week, Tevin, our group's pastor, delivered a strong word, obviously on being intentional uh, and going to the places that we need to go to. Where do we need to go to try to address some of the diversity and reconciliation in our life? And I want to close today this series uh, really on talking about what community and diversity actually looks like. Like, what is God's heart for his church? What should his church look like? And what's our call in that? How can we contribute to that? And what do we need to do in order to contribute to a community that is diverse and that is not divided, but united under the banner and message of Jesus Christ? So if you have your Bibles, I want to go ahead and invite you to Acts chapter 11, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 11. And uh, I'll give some summary to this story in case you're tuning in for the first time, which by the way, uh, when, when we were having church in person, y'all remember that like months ago? Y'all remember people used to come to church uh, and fill the seats up and worship together? Yeah, we're going to get back to that at some point. But uh, every single Sunday at Awaken Church, we would have new people come. Uh, we call them VIPs. And what's amazing is, is even though we've had church online, every single week there's, there's new people dialing in that have been invited, maybe tagged on a post, and, and are watching services for the first time. So I don't want to assume that everybody listening right now knows what we're talking about. We've been looking at this story in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, where Peter, who was the leader of the early church, Peter was uh, Jesus, one of Jesus' closest disciples. He really uh, preached the first sermon in Acts chapter 2. Thousands of people got saved. And the church began to grow, and for about 10 years, the church was flourishing. But it was reaching predominantly Jewish people. It was uh, Jewish men and women who had given their lives to Christ that were now reaching and sharing the gospel with other Jewish people. And so the church, this was 10 years after that first sermon in Acts chapter 2, and there's thousands of people in the church, and things are going great until one day God gives a vision to this man, Peter, who is leading the church, And this vision helps him see that the message of the gospel, the good news that God loves all people and desires relationship with all people, and he made that possible through Jesus, God says, Peter, that message is for the the Gentiles too, the non-Jews too. The Gentiles represented a a different race, a different ethnicity, a different type of people. And, And Peter wasn't sharing the good news with the Gentiles. God gives him this vision, and Peter receives a vision, and he, at the same time, there's a vision given to a man named Cornelius. Cornelius himself was a Gentile. He was a soldier, 
And God orchestrates this meeting between these two men at Cornelius' house. And that's what we're going to read in just a moment because Peter gives an account of what took place at Cornelius' house. So Acts chapter 11, verse 1, I want to pick it up together. This is what we find. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Can I just address that real quick? Um, like circumcised, uncircumcised, what is this about? I'm going to shoot really straight with you. When Jewish um, men or women became Christians, what was essentially happening is they were putting requirements on Gentiles that they had to get circumcised. If you need to look up how painful uh, a process that would be, feel free to Google it later on. I don't want to talk a lot about it, but it was a Jewish belief and Jewish work that was being put onto new believers coming into the church. And so Peter here, when he went to Cornelius' house and he shares the gospel with him and the Holy Spirit falls on these new believers, he comes back to these Jewish Christians and they confront him and they say, look, you should have never gone to Cornelius' house. You should have never sat at his table. He's a Gentile. You're a Jew. Jews and Gentiles don't mix. He got criticized. Verse 4, but Peter began and he explained it to them in order. And this is what he said. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came to me, and looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three different times and all was then drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were. And they were sent to me from Caesarea. And the spirit told me to go with them, making no distinctions. So these six brothers also accompanied me and we entered the man's house. That man's house was Cornelius. Peter is saying, I went with six other men and I went to Cornelius' house, and it was at Cornelius' house that I sat down and I had a meal. And this is what he said, verse 13. Then Cornelius told us how he had seen an angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is also called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and your whole household. So then as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just like on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is what Peter's referencing there all the way back in Acts chapter one before Jesus goes back to heaven. Jesus looks at his followers and he says, look, I want you to go to Jerusalem, pray in the upper room. Do not leave the upper room until the Holy Spirit falls on you. Peter says in this moment, I remembered those words a decade earlier, 10 years earlier that Jesus shared with me. And then I watched those same things happened in this room at Cornelius' house. Verse 17, Peter says to these critical Jewish men and women, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard these things, they fell silent, and then they glorified God, saying, 
Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. I want to preach a message today. Uh, If you're taking notes there at home, the title of my sermon today is Get Out the Way. Get out the way. In fact, go ahead and look at your kids right now. They may be in your way. Tell them, get out the way. Just get out the way. I was, um, I was driving. This was two weeks ago. I live in West Ashley. And so my, my trek home from uh, the church is I drive 526, get off on Glen McConnell. And if you live in West Ashley, you know how exciting and joyful a road Glen McConnell is. Uh, there's an interchange right when you get off of 526 that within about 500 yards There's a Chick-fil-A on your right, there's a hospital on your left, and there's about 500 drivers from Ohio in between every single day trying to figure out how to weave through traffic. And and this particular day, as I'm getting off the exit onto Glen McConnell, I can hear sirens. Like, so I, I know there's some kind of emergency vehicle close by, so of course I speed up, I don't know why. I'm like, I'm out, I'm gonna just outrun it, I guess. I knew it wasn't behind me because I just come off the interstate. And as I merge onto Glen McConnell, I try to get in one of the center lanes. Keep in mind, everybody else is trying to get over to Chick-fil-A or get over to Home Depot, and it's just crazy right there. So I, I weave through traffic, and I end up sitting in the far left lane. Meanwhile, I can hear sirens all around me. Well, I come to a stop because it's, it's a red light, right? And I'm thinking to myself, why don't these people move? Like I, and I could... I looked behind me in the rear view and could hear sirens, hear signals. I could see like there's ambulance rolling. And of course, it's making all the sounds in the world. And I'm sitting at this stoplight and there's cars all around me. And the, the lane to the left is where you go to the hospital, right? So I'm thinking to myself, okay, the, you know, the people that are sitting there, they better get out of the way because the ambulance is going to the hospital. Meanwhile, you can just hear this thing yelling like, rawr, rawr, rawr. and I'm sitting there going, man, these are a bunch of idiots. Why don't they move? Selfish people, get out the way. Like, I'm looking to my left. You know, a lady sitting there, like, on her phone in the turning lane. I'm going, don't you understand? These people need to get past you. And I'm, the thing is just loud. And I'm going, God, these people are ignorant. Y'all, keep. I look back, and the thing is literally right behind me. It ain't going to the hospital. It's coming through Glenn McConnell. And I realize, oh, what do I do in this moment? Which, by the way, I realize no one teaches you in driver training what to do right then and there. Right, like you're, I'm, I'm bumper to bumper with the person in front of me. Do I move? Do I try to get out of the way? Do I sit? Because I'm scared I'm going to cause a wreck. And it was chaos. And eventually this thing ends up going over into the grass to go around me. And I realized like I was the one in the way. Like, I, I was part of the problem. But meanwhile, I was looking around at everybody else going, no, you need to move or you need to move or what's, what's y'all's issue? But the issue was actually me. Now, when we look at this story about Peter, This is what I want us to understand. Peter was the problem. Peter is the leader of the church. Peter's the one responsible for shaping the culture of what the early church was going to look like, raising up other uh, disciples, sending out church plants. Peter was the one that uh, was, was really leading with the vision and the teaching and the direction of Jesus. And so God gives Peter this vision going, look, the church needs to look different. You have missed the point. The point is that salvation is for all people. It's not just for the Jews. Yes, Jesus came to the Jews, but he came with a message that the heart of God is to be reconciled to all people, all nations, all ethnicities, that there is no barrier between God and man that can't be broken down but by Jesus. And what had happened is that Peter, 
over these last 10 years, while there had been phenomenal growth, phenomenal transformation, caring for widows, caring for orphans, missions like crazy, tons of great things taking place. What wasn't taking place was that there was this racial and ethnic divide between the gospel getting to Gentile people. So God says, Peter, here's the vision. Go to Cornelius' house. And y'all, he goes to Cornelius' house, and it happens. He goes in. Cornelius invites him in. They have a meal together. At that meal, Cornelius and his house is waiting for a message. The message was the gospel. Cornelius says, yes, we believe in that Jesus. We believe in the good news. And the Holy Spirit comes on that house. And Peter's amazed. And when Peter goes back to give a report, I find it fascinating that uh, verse, or chapter 10, verse 48, the last thing Peter says is, I want you guys to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then Peter hung out with him for a couple days. And then Peter goes back with anticipation to celebrate what he had just experienced, but what he gets is a bunch of negativity and criticism. Verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 1, the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. So when Peter went to Jerusalem, he faced criticism. Now, let me ask you a question. Why in the world would the church criticize something God was doing? And listen, I've enjoyed this undivided series. It's been eye-opening for me to, to read and to study, to listen to sermons both preached from staff at our church, but also from other pastors in our area to do research on racial reconciliation, to learn some things about uh, race and division I had not previously known about in our country, even in our city. Man, I feel, I feel like I've grown a lot in terms of understanding. I've got a long way to go, but it's been very helpful for me. Can I tell you the most difficult part about this sermon series from the seat of being the pastor of the church? It's been criticism from Christians who don't understand or don't recognize that their, their own preferences or their own biases have actually stood in the way of them being able to listen, learn, and understand something different. That's a challenge. It's a challenge when you preach a sermon and walk off the, the stage or you, you, you cut off the sermon there at home and the emails that have come in asking for explanations about certain definitions or certain positions or certain terms and which, listen, I'm, not that we're opposed to answering those, and our staff has done a great job fielding, I think, those questions. But what we all need to be doing right now, I think, is celebrating some of the eye-opening experiences that we're having as the capital C Church in America about some conversations maybe we've left out over the last couple of decades. And, and celebrate the fact that maybe our kids and our kids' kids are going to grow up in a capital C church that looks a little different maybe than the one that, that we grew up in or we were exposed to. I know that excites me. And so Peter here, when he starts to explain when questioned, what I love about Peter and what I actually admire about Peter is that he doesn't get defensive. He doesn't get frustrated. He doesn't get mad. And I started to realize Peter has just had this experience with the Holy Spirit. And we know the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love and joy and peace 
patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Peter, when he's questioned and confronted, even criticized, Peter doesn't snap back and some defensive parser. No, he's actually patient and he shares with them his experience. We would all do well to do the same as Christians, you know? Not get so upset and defensive and claws out and mad when people ask us questions, no matter where we fall on the spectrum. Peter takes their criticism, right? They say, you went to uncircumcised men and you ate with them? Like, I want us to understand, for Jewish people to go to Gentile person or to even go in their house and eat with them, unheard of. Unheard of. Like, imagine this real quick. We're, we're in the middle of, of COVID. Hopefully we're towards the end of it. I don't really know. But I just know here in South Carolina right now, our numbers aren't looking real good and it's, it's very frustrating, as we both know. But, but this scenario, I want you to imagine if you found out that your neighbor across the street tested positive for COVID-19. Like they come home, boom, they're positive, COVID-19. This would be the equivalent of you being like, hey fam, let's go eat with them right now. And let's do it buffet style. Let's get everybody's hands in the pot and let's share drinks together. That'd be great too, wouldn't it? Like the, the, the idea that you would go is like, are you trying to get infected? Like, are you, are you trying to get a disease? Are you trying to get the virus? For a Jew to go to a Gentile's house in Peter's day, it's going, I want to be unclean. I want to break every law that there is. I want, I want to break tradition, break culture. I'm going against everything that I've ever known. That is what happened. And so the Jews are going, are you insane? You can't go sit and eat with a Gentile. You can't go fellowship with a Gentile. And Peter says, let me share with you what happened. And Acts 11 is the same story that we hear about in early Acts chapter 10. Why? I think it's to tell us that Peter was willing to share his detailed experience of experiencing not just a revelation of the vision that God gave him, but his experience of the Holy Spirit in Cornelius' house. Something changed inside of Peter on that day where he came back and realized, hey, the good news of the gospel is a lot bigger than the restraints I've been putting on it. In other words, God's transformative power is a lot greater than just to save me and my people. It's for all people. And he got a true picture of what heaven was going to look like. Man, that's what I pray for the church. That's what I pray for us. Peter realized that uh, even though he spent three years walking step in step with Jesus, even though he had walked on water, even though he had been forgiven on the beaches uh, after the resurrection for denying Jesus, even though he had watched with his own eyes Jesus put the ear back on a soldier after he cut it off, uh, being frustrated and angry and wanting some kind of physical war, even after Peter had seen Jesus, he had seen the empty tomb and seen Jesus go back into heaven. Peter preached a sermon and saw thousands saved, but in that drift over the decade, Peter had allowed some stuff to get in the way of his understanding of who Jesus was and the message that Jesus gave. And I just love that God is patient with Peter and God reveals to him this vision and reminds him, hey, don't forget about the power of salvation. It's for all, not just you. It's for all people. Peter reports this back. And in some ways, I think what Peter is asking or really communicating to these men is this, hey, what, what would it be in your life what have we allowed to get in the way? 
I'll pose the question for you today because I've had to think it myself. Man, in the, in the 20 years that I've been following Jesus, almost 20 years that I've been a Christian, it's crazy how some stuff gets in the way. It's crazy how preferences slip in or responsibilities begin to pile up. It's amazing how uh, with each relationship I take on, it, it requires more of me to give away. And if I'm not careful, it can take away from the time and intimacy and relationship that I have with Jesus. No one wants to talk about those things, but as, as life goes on and work increases, uh, relationship responsibilities increase, finance increase, influence increases, what, what happens is there can be a lot of things, not bad things, but even good things that can get in the way of our time and our relationship and the simplicity of salvation and following Jesus. Let me ask you, what's gotten in the way for you? Like, can we just go back for a minute? Like, if I, if I were to ask you just to, to dial it all the way back to when, when you first were reconciled to God, when you first began a relationship with Jesus, can you remember that date? Do you remember that season? Maybe it wasn't a specific day, although I think everybody should have a day where they were baptized, where the old is gone, the new has come, this moment, a marker in your life where you go, I know that I know that I know that I made a commitment to follow Jesus. That's what I love about baptism. It is a definitive marker in our life. It's why I believe that Peter looks at Cornelius and his house and says, all of you need to get baptized. It's what Jesus taught us, why Jesus was baptized. Like we all need this moment where we know for a fact, hey, I'm walking in step with Jesus. I've given my life to him. Can you remember that moment? You remember that day? Because when I go back to that day for me, I remember how simple it was. This idea that no matter what I brought into the relationship, God, by the power of the blood of Jesus, forgave it and made me new. And I got a new name and a new purpose and a new reason to be alive. It was so simple. And I'm reminded that if God can save and redeem that young man, he can save and redeem anybody. It's amazing if you go back to the beginning and think about Man, what's gotten in the way all these years? Maybe what's gotten in the way is some doctrine for you or some theology for you and your relationship with Jesus has become so heady and intellectual you forget the intimacy of a one-on-one, a friendship, a relationship. Maybe for you, it's just the culture that you're in, right? Like you, you think about where you live or what you believe or you know that you look, you look around and you realize, man, I don't have anybody that's diverse in my life at all. And maybe you should ask the question, how has it gotten to that place? Maybe what's got in the way for you is You've just slid into this place of like complacency. Maybe what's gotten in the way for you is business or career. And you find that you're working 50 plus hours a week trying to make ends meet or trying to raise money or have money. And before you know it, you just realize, man, like the the worries of this world have entangled your relationship with Jesus. I think about the parable of the sower. Jesus one day tells this story about a man who sows seed all over the place. And one of those seeds falls amongst thorns. And Jesus equates that to uh, this, the, the seed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus taking root in somebody's life. But as it starts to grow, he says, what chokes it out, the thorns that choke out the health and the vibrancy of that particular plant is the worries of this world. Maybe the worries of the world have had their way with you. Maybe relationally, you've just been sucked into this place where you've forgotten what Jesus is really all about. Go back to the beginning. 
See, there's some stuff that's gotten in the way for us, and I'm convinced for Peter, what got in his way was his preferences, was just operating out of what he knew to do. It's the, the people around him, the culture around him, it was all Jewish, and so his church became all Jewish, and God's going, no, no, you gotta, you gotta reach outside those walls. That's not what I'm about. I need you to see something so much bigger than what you're part of. You know, the couple, couple months ago, uh, a book was released by a friend of mine, Chris Singleton, uh, and I, I'll show it to you. The book's called Different. Maybe you've seen it on social media or uh, the news outlets here in Charleston done a pretty good job of covering Chris, although that's, uh, I really think Chris and his story and his platform um, really should be amplified and magnified even more by the Post and Courier and Live 5 News and News 2. Hey-o, Post and Courier, run a story. That'd be amazing. Uh, but Chris, Chris uh, shared his heart for writing a book, really it was about a year ago, uh, and how he wanted to put this book out about uh, people that are different. And, you know, the subtitle in the book says, A Story About Loving Your Neighbor. And, and the entire book is about really a kid uh, that moves from overseas into America and the assimilation into this American classroom. I love the fact that the teacher of the classroom is uh, Miss Sharonda. Uh, we know the book is in uh, honor of um, and dedicated to Chris's mother, uh, who was killed at Mother Emanuel AME Church several years ago. Ms. Sharon is the teacher, and she is, she's the one that um, deals with the emotions of this child that's moved to America, and child dresses different, talks a little different, acts a little different, but it struggles to find friends. And uh, the way the book culminates, I'm not going to ruin it for you because y'all need to go buy this thing, but ultimately the way the book ends is that the differences begin to be celebrated in the lives of these kids. And the story is really an example for us as adults about how to love people who are different than us, how to love our neighbors. And if you go to Amazon, it's listed under a children's book, but I began to think as I was rereading through it, making myself familiar with it, this is not a children's book. Yes, it's written for children, but it's a message adults need to hear. Because something happens between childhood and adulthood that changes our perspective and our innocence on valuing different. Something happens, whether it's education or finances or religion, right, or life experience or career. Something happens along the way to where when we get to be adults, we start to go, no, 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 I'm not going to respect someone different than me or love someone different than me or listen to someone different than me or, God forbid, I'm a friend to somebody who's different than me. Something happens in that span of time. And I'm convinced that we need to take assessment in our lives and go, whatever that is, I need to get it out of the way. I was at the pool last night with my daughter, Brooklyn, my whole family. We're our neighborhood pool. And I looked over and my, my daughter, Brooklyn, she's six. She's the life of every party. So full of joy. Of course, she's a little white girl. And she's on the shoulders of my son's friend, Shaq. Shaq's brown skin, lives in our neighborhood, incredible kid. We have him at our house all the time, spends the night. And I look over and here's Brooklyn on Shaq's shoulder and hanging out, having fun, having a good time. And I ask myself, will that be the same 15 years from now, 20 years from now? Like what has to come into Brooklyn's mind and heart to make her think that that's not uh, the ideal or to make her think that she shouldn't be on Shaq's shoulders 
or that what needs to come into Shaq's mind and heart to make him think he can't hang out with Brooklyn. I began to think about like what happened to us or didn't happen to us to where we have to be in a place today in the church talking about racial reconciliation. And that's what leads me to really ask this question. It's two questions that I want to leave you with today and really leave this series with. And the first one is this. As you contemplate, what does this series mean for you? What does this scripture mean for you? Here's the question. When you go all the way back to the beginning, when things were simple, when you first started following Jesus, when you gave your life to him, when you were baptized, when you go back, what's gotten in the way all these years? What obstacles have, have slipped in to cause you to lose track of Jesus' command to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself? That's really what Jesus taught us to do. What's gotten in the way that's not allowed you to do that? Is it your preferences? Is it your politics? Is it your career? Maybe you're jaded and hurt, frustrated, and you just don't want to engage anymore. What's, what's gotten in the way? Can I encourage you today to, to just get it out of the way? To confess it, to, to lay that before God and go, it is not worth compromising the great commission to hold on to this. I'm just going gonna, gonna to lay it down. I'm going to give that to the Lord. I'm going to push that to the side. And, and, and can I also encourage you, if you don't have a back to the beginning, if you can't remember a time where you started a relationship with God, where you started following Jesus, where you were baptized, make that today. Make it today. Make the decision. We're still baptizing people. Y'all, the, the mission has not stopped. We're still making disciples. There's still people going through the baptismal waters, as you'll see. But make, make the decision today to give your life to Jesus. It changes everything. The basis of racial reconciliation, reconciliation, it starts with the relationship with God. Because if you're in a relationship with God, you're naturally going to desire a relationship with other people. And if you love God, you're commanded to love people. Give your life to Jesus if you haven't done that. You can make that decision today. Here's the second question I would ask you. You say, look, I've, I've got a relationship with Christ. I've given my life to Jesus. I'm, I'm identifying the things that I've allowed to get in the way and I'm pushing those aside. What would you have me do? Here's the second thing I would encourage you to do and, and ask you to do. Do you have people in your life that you can have conversations with about things like scripture, about things like race, about things like uh, topics that maybe feel, make you feel uncomfortable? Do you have people or a circle in your life where you can have that type of dialogue? If you do, great. If you don't, can I invite you to consider getting into a small group at Awaken Church? Three, four, ten people you can meet with and have a meal and have conversation and have discussion and recognize that we all battle through some of this stuff. We all have some things in the way. We've all drifted at times in our walk, but man, the beauty and the strength of the church is to remind each other about the overwhelming power of the gospel and the reminder that we are called to do this together. The strength of the church is relationships with God and relationship with each other. You cannot make it without it. I want to close by praying for you, praying for us as a church and also for the other churches in our city. I want to invite you in this Wednesday, this Wednesday night. We're going to be releasing on Facebook, Facebook premiere, um, a video. It's really a conversation, a roundtable conversation that 
uh, was facilitated by Tevin Sims, our group's pastor, uh, includes several leaders in our city that are working to bridge the gaps of diversity. It's a conversation about recon racial reconciliation and maybe even addresses some questions that you have in moving forward. This Wednesday night, it's gonna be dropping on Facebook. Make sure that you check it out, invite people into it, share it. I'm really excited about what we're all gonna learn together through that. Let me close in prayer uh, and then we'll wrap up our service together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. God, thank you that when, when your word intersects with your spirit, transformation happens. And God, today I believe that, that some have heard a word that addresses maybe some gaps or obstacles in their life, maybe some things that have gotten in the way that they need to push out of the way here today. God, by the power of your spirit, I pray that they would take that step of obedience and do it, that they would lay it down. They would drop it at the altar today. And yes, I know it's right there in their living room or through their smartphone or in their car, but today, Lord, that uh, in their spirit and in their mind, they would lay down whatever it is that's gotten in, in the way of your simple command to love you and love other people. God, I pray for your church. Yes, God, here at Awaken, I pray that you would continue to unify us and break down any divisions, but God, I also pray for your church beyond these walls for the Seacoast Church and the Freedom Church and the Coastal Community Church and the First Baptist Church and the Methodist Church. God, I pray for uh, Northwoods Church and Journey Church. God, I pray for all these other churches, God, because the mission to reconcile people to you and to reconcile people to each other is so much bigger than a building on Leeds Avenue. God, I ask that, that you would make us unified as your children and as your body. And I pray we would be a better representation of this world, of who your son Jesus was and is in our life. God, give us wisdom, give us grace. Thank you for your tremendous love towards us that transforms us. God, I pray that we would be people of love in this city and community and beyond. It's in Jesus, your most powerful name I pray. And all God's people said, amen.